Deuteronomy 30. And in that, God is making promises to the children of Israel. And it says, if you will obey me, that you'll be blessed coming in and you'll be blessed going out. And if you will obey me, that your crops will yield abundantly. And if you will obey me, then you, your families and your children will also be blessed. And, you know, just a whole series of promises. And at the end of that, God says, not only the the blessings that he promises us, but if you don't obey, then here are, here's what will happen. The cursings and all of the things that uh, would disappoint us are enumerated there. And then at the end, God says, here's, here's the test, okay? But I'm going to give you the answer. Choose life, all right? Choose the promises. Choose the blessings of God. Choose life, and it will go well with you. So we we do. We want those blessings and promises of God to apply in our lives. Uh, I think uh, everybody has a, in their list of favorite verses in the, in the Bible, Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the thoughts that I think of you. I, I know the plans that I have for you. And they are plans to prosper you and not to harm you in any way. And we want that blessing and promise to come true in our lives. And God goes on to say that that my promises and my blessings are for a thousand generations. So not only on us, but on our children. When my wife and I got married and we had kids, I wanted, I wanted the blessing to be on my, on my kids. Now that they've had kids, no more blessing for them. I want them on my grandkids. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we want them to be blessed. We want them to be blessed coming in and going out. We want them to be healthy and strong and, and experience all the goodness of God. And so we claim that. We believe that we have every right to do that. But sometimes we, we sense this disconnect. Sometimes we, we know these things and we don't see them happening in our lives. Sometimes we know the promise of God. We can read the promises of God in the scripture and we, and we pray, God, why isn't this happening in my life? We sometimes wonder why God seems to work marvelously or miraculously even in the lives of other people. And you can probably come up with some name that you have seen either nationally or just people that you knew uh, personally that God just seemed to favor, that God just seemed to work in their lives. And, and maybe even some do, do miracles through some people. And we think, why can't that happen to me? How come I'm left out of this? How come I'm not experiencing all of these promises of God like the Bible says I should? And it doesn't seem to be working on my behalf. Well, I think that there's a reason for that, and maybe there's more than one reason. I don't want to be simplistic in, in all of this, that it's just maybe one thing, but here's something for us to consider, and that is, what is the level of our obedience to the Lord? Now, Jesus, in speaking to the disciples, this is in the region of Caesarea Philippi, and, and it's an area that we visited when we went to Israel, and it's, it's a beautiful place. And Jesus called his disciples away for a time of rest and for him to minister and teach them. And while they're there, Jesus asked the question of his disciples, who do, who do men say that I am? And there was a variety of answers. Some say that you're a prophet. Some say that, you know, you're a teacher and, and all of this. And then Jesus turned it personal with the uh, disciples. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, through the revelation of the Spirit, I said, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said that, that flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter. Uh, but my father in heaven, 
Then he speaks to the disciples and says, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth, and that's what keys do, they can bind, they can lock things. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, and that's what keys do, they loose things, will be loosed in heaven. That was not just for the disciples. That was for you and I. Every single one of us have the keys of the kingdom. I carry, when I come to the church, I carry the keys of this kingdom uh, known as the building, okay? <laughs> and, and these three keys, these three keys will open any door in this building. So all I have to do is use these keys and I can go anywhere I want. I can open any door that, that we have in this building. And the keys of the kingdom are just like that. And yet all we have to do is to use them correctly and we can gain access to the kingdom of God coming alive in our lives. You have a promise of God. Maybe you're praying for a loved one. Maybe you are praying for your family's finances. Maybe you're praying for a situation of your health. What is the key to unlocking that? What can you bind or what can you loose in those areas of your life? Jesus has given us the key to those things. So today, I, I want to maybe give us this thought, you know, on this key, the most valuable key on this, on this key ring out of the three keys is this key right here. This key has stamped on it, master. It's the master key. And it's going back in my pocket, okay? <laughs> it opens more doors than anything else. What is the master key on the key ring of the key, keys of the kingdom? I want to suggest this to you, is that it's obedience. If you're not seeing the promises of God the way you need to see them in your life, I think this is an area that we can, we can ponder a bit. In what area of my life am I not obeying the Lord? And we're going to cover some of those ways that sometimes we don't exactly do what God may suggest uh, to us, or speak, or command to us. In Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter of the Bible, it's 176 verses or something like that, and uh, verse 32, now I, I, I uh, kind of went through all the translations that I had access to, and, and uh, most of those translations uh, render this verse, I will run to your command, or I will pursue your commands, or something of that nature. And then I found this new century version that I liked. It was just different than all the other versions and rendering of this. And most of the other ones that use the word run or pursue or words of that nature, they all agree. And that's probably closer to the original language, but probably what makes sense to us is this new century version. And it says, I will quickly obey your commands. So instead of, I will run to your commands, uh, it renders it this way, I will quickly obey your commands. And there's, I think, some insight for us there in our obedience to the Lord. If there's ever a time, I think we need to pay attention to our level of obedience to the Lord. It's, it's in these times. I think it's important to when God speaks to our heart, and that's either through the word of God or sometimes he can speak to us in, our, in the inner heart of, of man. 
and he tells us, commands us to do something, I think it's important that we do it even if we don't understand why. Uh, that's why I like the rendering of Psalm 118 verse 32 in, in this version is that I will quickly obey your commands. Now, what is the most often uh, met response, I, in my opinion, what is the most often met response when we are given a command to do? Would you go do this? And usually, instead of just going do that quickly, what is the response? Why? <laughs> right? We want to know why. Why should I do that? You know? And uh, it's just kind of a delay tactic instead of just executing. You know, in the military, uh, soldiers are trained that when their commanding officer gives them a command is that they do it whether they know why or not. And it could be critical on a battlefield. The general tells a soldier, go and do this, and they kind of stand around and go, well, why? And, And the bomb goes off, then he knows why, I guess. But we need to understand that when God speaks to our heart, that he wants us to do something, it is on our part, not to question, not to why, but to do and to do quickly. And we will understand why in the doing. When we question why or we delay, or that, it's really just a statement of a lack of trust in God. And that somehow God would not have our absolute best interest at his heart. Now, I, I know that in life, we get let down. We, we, people speak promises to us that are not fulfilled. People will say things that they don't honor. And so we are met with this disappointment. But let me, let me tell you what, is that God will never let you down. God will never go back on his promise. And if there is any disconnect between the promises of God and the experience in our life, let me tell you what, the shortage is not on his part. The the shortage is on our part, and I'm suggesting today that we look at the level of our obedience to the Lord. If we do not see uh, his promises playing out in our lives as as we think they should. So why, when we obey God, should we just quickly respond and run to do what he has commanded us to do? the why or the delay in responding to the promises of God is that it can cost you to be used by God. You know, as I said, sometimes we can point to people in our own lives that God just seems to use all the time. Or maybe there are people on the national level. You know, Billy Graham was such a figure we, you know, we saw in the news holding crusades around the world in which millions of people came to Christ and Thousands of people responded to the gospel in those crusades. And we just think, wow, you know, why, why does God use somebody like a Billy Graham in such powerful ways? And I don't see that happening in my life. Well, I think there might be some level of obedience there that is not the same. Maybe he obeys at a higher response level than, than we do. And when we quickly obey the commands of God is that I think we could see powerful and large things happen. So when we delay to do that or when we change the subject on God, I believe that it can limit 
the, the blessings of God in our lives. King Saul's an example. First Samuel chapter 15, uh, Saul was commanded to go and destroy the Amalekites. And he would destroy them. Every single last one of the Amalekites and all of their cattle, all of their things were to be destroyed. And Saul you know, went out with his armies, but he did not obey what God had told him to do. And that was to destroy everything and everyone. And Saul does what I think sometimes we do. We practice substitutionary obedience, okay? It's like, well, I know what God told me to do, but I really don't want to do that. But instead, here's the deal. I'm going to make God an even better deal. He, I know he told me to do this, but I'm going to do this. So we just modify it a little bit sometimes. And we say, you know, this is even better. And, and we'll see this in this passage here with Saul. So 1 Samuel 15, uh, verse 20, we'll start reading there. It says, and Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And then he just goes to tell Samuel how he did not obey the voice of the Lord. I don't get this. He says, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. Now that was, that was someone that he was told not to spare, but to destroy, and here he is alive. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, and of the best things which should have been utterly destroyed. So he, he's spelling it out here. This is what it should have done. should have been utterly destroyed. But here's the deal. Here's the, here's the kind of bait and switch. Or here's the substitutionary obedience. To sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So I know we shouldn't have kept this stuff. I know, but guess what? We kept the best and we are going to sacrifice to the Lord with these. Samuel calls him out. Samuel said, verse 22, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion, which is a lack of obedience, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. So we see here that God doesn't look fondly on our deal-making with him. When God speaks to our heart, when he gives a command, he wants us to obey that command, not the one that we modify, not the one that we substitute, not the one that we prefer, but the one that he spoke to our heart. And there's a lot of reason for that. But if we want to see the promises of God apply to us and our family and those that we love, obedience, I believe, is the key. If, if Saul has, had obeyed, now when you, when you read the book of 1 Samuel, you'll see that God selected Saul. He was not of a kingly line. He was, he was out of the least tribe in, in uh, Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. And by Saul's own confession that his family was the least family in all of Benjamin. So he was not of a line, but God selected him and said, If you will obey me, if you will keep my commandments, I will make of your dynasty 
there will be no end. Yours will be a perpetual dynasty if you will obey me. And here Saul, not very long into his uh, tenure as king over Israel, uh, does not obey the Lord and he is rejected as king. So there's serious consequences to this and sometimes we think that, you know, we can get by and substitute or, or uh, somehow delay or, or modify the way in which we obey the Lord when the Lord just wants us to simply obey. It would frustrate us as parents, you know, if we give our children a command, you know, it's like, hey, I want you to clean up your room today. And we come back and the room hasn't been touched, but they said, oh, but I rearranged the furniture for you. I didn't ask you to rearrange the furniture. I asked you to clean your room. And, and yet, sometimes we do the same thing to the Lord. And uh, we don't want to do what he asks us. We want to do what we feel comfortable or what we want to do. And so we need to examine our level of obedience to the Lord in that. Number two is when we do not obey the Lord as he uh, commands us, is that sometimes it can lead us to our destruction. The uh, story of Jonah, Jonah and the great fish. It's not Jonah and the whale. Uh, if you read your Bible, you'll know that the whale is never mentioned. Okay, this is a great fish came and swallowed Jonah. So if you've been in uh, Sunday school, you no doubt have heard the, the story of Jonah and the whale. But it, it started with a command. Is that God spoke to Jonah and said, I want you, and I think I've got the passage here, Jonah chapter 1, verse, verse 1. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So Nineveh is in the north. Jonah goes south. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah says, I'm just not going to do what the Lord commanded me to do. And sometimes that's it. It's not a substitutionary thing. It's not a delay tactic. It's just like, no, I'm not going to do it. And to his near destruction. Now, I don't know about you. I might rather choose to die than to be in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights. I don't know about you. But it uh, doesn't sound like a uh, pleasant place to be. Um, verse 4, it says, And the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Sometimes we wonder why we're facing the storms that we are in life, and it seems like our ship, our lives are about to be broken up. I think it's important for us at times like that to say, Lord, where am I not in obedience to you? And I, I, need to, I need to change that. And, and that's where Jonah's situation began to turn around, is when he said, okay, you win, I'll do what you asked me to do. And so Jonah makes his way to Nineveh, he preaches in that great wicked city, returns to the Lord, repents. Jonah accomplished what, what God called him to do. So it's important for us to understand that you know, sometimes our situation, you know, turns stormy, it turns rocky, and, and we can't figure out why. And I think maybe our level of obedience is something that we 
should pay attention to and where we're not following after God. Now here's the situation, the third area that I think obedience uh, plays into uh, probably more often than any other way. And that's where we, we practice this uh, situation where we delay obeying the Lord, okay? And that's where it starts. There's three steps downward. And uh, we'll take a look at this in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, and here's, here's this introduction of doubt, okay? Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And here Eve knows, she knows what God said. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the true fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So Eve was clear on what God had said. That was his commandment. And at that point, they should have turned on their heel and left. Okay? Because the serpent had already introduced, has God really said this? Twisting it some. And Eve spelled out the right response. But they stayed around. And it says, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. So he contradicts the word of the Lord. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Now that should have never happened. As soon as there was contradiction to the word of the Lord, they should have left. They should have gotten out of there and, and continued to obey the Lord. Psalm 1 is my favorite passage of Scripture. I think I've shared it on several occasions over the years. But there's, as it begins, there's this kind of three-step process that says those who experience the blessings and promises of God, these are things they do not do, okay? And, and uh, Psalm 1-1 says, uh, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, now I want to point something out here is that there's a downward trend, okay? So he's walking in the counsel of the ungodly. And then it comes to, and nor stand, he goes from walking to standing, nor stand in the way of sinners, and then what is the third step downward? Or sits in the seat of the scornful. Let's talk about that a little bit. You go from walking to standing to sitting. Well, I think they who stand in the path of sinners, that's where, that's where doubts begin. Just like the woman listened to the serpent in the garden. Has God said? No, he didn't say that. He doesn't, the reason why he doesn't want you to do that is he's withholding something good from you. And all of a sudden these doubts about God exist. Where they didn't have a single doubt before, all of a sudden they're listening to the serpent and doubts enter into their heart. Now we all have doubts from time to time, but when we begin to experience that, where do we go? We go right back to the Lord. 
okay? I know that, that if we stay very long, and I've seen this pattern in many people's lives, is God speaks to them, and God calls them, and they delay. And that's what happens when we walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The ungodly will cause us to doubt. And we listen to that sound in our ear, and we delay what God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. And then that turns, if we don't just turn it around right there, um, they who stand in the path of sinners, where now we're standing, is that, uh, is that those doubts turn to, delay turns to doubt. And uh, that's, I, I should have uh, backed up a little bit there, is that when we walk with sinners, we tend to delay what God speaks to our heart. And if we stay there, we, that turns from delay to doubt. We stand in the path of sinners, and then finally, we sit in the seat of the scornful, and we deny. So there's a three-step downward path that uh, when we do not quickly obey the Lord's commands, we, we delay, delay turns to doubt, doubt turns to denial. And then we find ourselves in full disobedient to the Lord. And so we have to understand that, uh, you know, when we do not obey the Lord quickly, we begin to participate in that downward spiral in our lives, and it is a path to turning our back on what God has commanded us to do. So experiencing the, the blessings of God and the promises of God, you want the promises of God performed over our lives. If we want to live in that favor of God in our lives, obedience is the master key obedience, you know, to whatever God says. It's not like somehow, you know, we can change the word of God. We had a discussion yesterday, you know, about how uh, people live in certain kinds of lifestyles. How in the world, when the Bible is so clear about those things, um, that uh, how do they get around? They still consider themselves believers, still consider themselves Christians. And, uh, the, and you know, and I think, you know, there's probably more than one answer to that. Part of that answer is, you know, is if, you know, maybe the assumption that, that they are reading the Word of God. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever been here before, but I often encourage you to read your Bible. Okay? And there's a reason for that, because you cannot obey what you don't know. You can't obey what you don't know. Years ago, when uh, our oldest was... Uh, Preparing to get his driver's license, uh, as young people of that age uh, kind of think they know everything at times. I don't know. Have you ever encountered that? And uh, I said, yeah, I'll drive you over there and uh, I'll, I'll pick you up when you're done. And so on the way over to the DMV, I was asking him questions. I, I was kind of going through my mind. I, it's been a long time ago. I took the driver's test. and. And uh, I was asking him questions. I said, oh, um, I think it was a question about insurance. What, we, you know, uh, one of the questions about insurance that I, that I remembered. And he goes, oh, that's not in the manual. And I said, yeah, I think it is actually. And uh, I asked him another question. Is like, oh, that, that's not in the manual. And uh, I said, I'm just curious. Did you actually read the manual? Well, no, but I, I know all the answers. Okay, all right. Picked him up, 
little while later, and uh, I said, so, what happened? I failed. <laughs> ah, okay. You can't obey what you don't know. You may think, you know, that you can drive just fine, but when it comes to the exam, you better know the answers, okay? And when it comes to living a life that is full of the, of the blessings of the Lord, we need to know what we should obey. If you're living in ignorance of that, that is, ignorance of the law is no excuse, right? And if we don't know what the Word of God says, we won't know how we are to behave. And, and so we read the Word of God so that we can live in higher obedience to the Lord. And when we do, and when we live in obedience to the Lord, we experience His blessings, we experience His favor, His Word is performed over us and our families uh, through that master key of obedience. And so we must quickly, we must learn to quickly obey the Lord or we will lose the advantage of being used and receiving his greatest blessing in our lives. Faith is expressed by obeying God's commands immediately. Even when we fully don't understand Maybe we think we do. Maybe we think we see obstacles or reasons ahead of us to maybe not obey the Lord as he asked us to. That we think we know how to navigate the future better, perhaps, than God himself does. But we step forward in faith when God speaks to us, knowing that God is motivated by his love for us and our trust in him is not going to be disappointed and that he has our best interest at heart. And so, I, as, you know, pastor of New Life Assembly of God, I want you to experience God's best. I want you to experience God's blessing. You know, we're, we live in an age now, unless you have 100% approval all the time, uh, we get offended at each other call each other out and just say, you know what, you're not living according to the word of God in this area of your life. We're offended. How dare you call me out? How dare you, you know, point this out? Um, when it may be the truth. And we, you know, we can't say what we need to say. We can't, uh, you know, help each other. Um, you know, is it, is it truly love you know, just, you know, love is defined now by you have to accept me and everything I do and say 100% all the time. Otherwise, we're not friends. I mean, that's, that's kind of the culture we live in. But truly, is it love when we will participate in someone's deception? I don't think so. I don't think it's love. I think it's love to say, hey, you know what? Uh, the Word of God says this, and, and I just want to, I just want to help you with this. And that's why I want you to think about this level of obedience. And that's why I want you in the word of God. Is it so you will know, you will know what the word of God says and you will know how we are to behave. You will know the decisions we ought to be making because of the word of God says. And you know, we, we want to just kind of skim the top 
take all the blessings, but leave all the responsibility and all the obedience behind. But you know, God is not mocked. Whatever we sow, we will also reap. And so it's up to us today for the good, not only of ourselves, but of our families, our marriages, our children, their children, to obey the Lord. Amen. Let's just uh, bow our heads this moment. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just release the Holy Spirit this morning to speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to us where we are not in compliance with obeying the Lord? Would you open our eyes to some of our own deception where maybe we're practicing substitutionary obedience? Or Lord, where Maybe we've just delayed responding to what you've asked us to do. And Lord, it's led to doubts and finally denial. But Lord, we know in our heart what you've said to us. We know what you've spoken to us. And Lord, we crave... Lord, your presence in our lives. We crave, Lord, your blessing on us and on our children and on their children. Lord, I pray that it would not be said of us that our disobedience or our delay in obeying the Lord kept the blessings of God from the lives of those that we love. Lord, I pray for each one today. As you reveal, Holy Spirit, where we are not in compliance with your word. Help us, number one, to know your word. And then number two, to just obey it and obey it quickly. We won't have to substitute other things to what you've asked us to do. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.